Amanda and Baron again, back with Kicking Cancer Cares. Our second sponsor for this half of the show is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. So if you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, not sure what that process looks like or if you're even ready for it or what your next step is, definitely give her a call. Her number is 503-409-4389, and she will definitely help you out or point you in the right direction. And then please continue to pray for her as she is currently going through her own breast cancer battle. Speaking of breast cancer, just to make sure we didn't lose her during our commercial break, uh, Karen, are you still with us from Italy? Absolutely. Yay. (laughs) And for those that may just be tuning in and missed the first half of the show, um, you are actually not on the boot, uh, the, you know, the mainland. You're on an island, correct? Yes, Sardinia. Um, and Sardinia is in the Mediterranean between Spain and Italy, or is that a good description of the geography? Well, it's, it's basically, it's about the same, um, it's in the line with Corsica, there's the big island off of, off of France, and, and then there's Sardinia, which is a big island, and then there's Sicily down at the bottom of the boot. So it's off the west coast of Italy, you know, basically in the middle of the Mediterranean towards Spain, yeah. Okay. So well, it's about an hour flight to Rome, so it's, um, I don't know, about, I don't know how, the ferry ride is about, you can take the fast ferry and get over in, I think, eight or nine hours. Okay. You have a big ferry system that gets, you know, obviously all the things back and forth to the to the island. So okay. it's a big island. It's probably, I don't know, 110 miles. Oh, oh it's a good size island. 20 yeah. miles by 80 miles wide, something like that. Okay. Well, we, um, Kicking Cancer's office here in Salem has a global map, and I'm going to be putting a pin on an island uh, off the coast of Italy because that's where you're at. I love it. Yeah. Um, I always like to bring some statistics for Amanda, yes. Karen, and, and Amanda likes when I bring some statistics. I do. Um, this is an interesting, uh, what I dug up. Italy has roughly 59.1 million residents. The United States yeah. has 300, 331.9 million wow. residents. Mm-hmm. Um, Italy this year <clears throat> will have roughly 400,000 New cases of cancer, okay, which is 0.6% of their population. Okay. The United States is going to have roughly 2 million, 2 million new cases of cancer. Ridiculous. Which is roughly 0.6% of our population. Oh, okay. So the new cases, even though it's a lot smaller number, is still the, but roughly the About same percentage the same. Yeah. of our population, except as Karen revisits the first part of her story um how do i say this italy is maybe a bit more progressive and in my opinion smarter about how they take care of their people okay um and that really plays into the the second part of karen's story so we we talked about the fact that you were diagnosed in 2009 you have this her2 protein so you're her2 positive and they want you to take something called Herceptin. Yeah. Which we didn't really get too much into that in the first half. Can you, what, what exactly is Herceptin, Karen, and how does it fit into your story? Well, it was a, um, it was a cancer-fighting drug that was um, developed um, at Sloan Catering, um, the big hospital there in California, California I want to say. But um, the Dr. Sloan, who did, um, who actually developed this, he, he went after the protein. So he 
want to, to figure out why this um, type of cancer produces all of these protein spikes. So if you look at, there's a cell and it's this round cell, but it has all these little like antennas off of it. And all of these are complete, um, complete little protein spikes basically around the, the cancer cell. So all of these protein spikes, for some reason, my type of cancer tells these protein spikes just to build and duplicate and duplicate and duplicate. So it just it's telling this aggressiveness of the cancer, it's telling those protein spikes to make the cells just duplicate really, really quickly. So this researcher, he went after the, the protein portion of the cells, and he targeted this therapy to basically go into the core of the cells and in layman's terms, basically tell the cancer to commit suicide, basically tell those protein spikes to die and so and to stop duplicating and to stop running at, at, at exponential speed. So it, the Herceptin basically targets it at the cell level. So it's, the, it's a brand new type of, at the time, I mean, they're doing a lot of things in that same level of cancer research now, but at the time when it was maybe 10, not even 10 years before I was diagnosed, and that was um, 15 years ago. So it's been over 20 years now since they've developed this HER2 her um, uh, drug, which is called Herceptin. It has a, a legal name, Trebmazobab or something like that. I can never say it. But um, everyone just calls it Herceptin. But the Herceptin actually saved, they figure out of the 200,000 cases at the time when I was doing my research back when I first started Herceptin, about 200,000 cases in the U.S. a year of breast cancer. And at that point, about 20% of those cases, 40,000 people, mostly women, because there are men that get breast cancer. And there was a good friend of mine that lost her husband to her two breast cancer. But that, we can't leave you men out of it. Mm -hmm. But um, about 40,000 of those women every year would have died. I mean, it was a death sentence if you had her two before. I mean, seriously, your survival rate was um, 2.9 years. Wow. And, and, and everything I read, and that's why I decided to do the therapy, is my oncologist gave me all the names of all the drugs, all the names of all the chemo drugs, all the names of the drugs for hormone therapy. Um, she gave me all these drugs to read up on, and I went online for like um, four days straight and just read every white paper I could read about what, what this cancer was. And everything I read, I just, it freaked me out more because I was like, holy crap, I couldn't find anyone who was still alive after five years because they keep talking about this five-year survival rate because they just don't count after five years is what I think. I, I don't think I'm wrong. But they, they keep saying, you know, the overall long-term survival rate of HER2 is very low. You know, the, uh, the effectiveness of, you know, beating, you know, HER2 is basically you're on your own. Like, it's not going to happen. Wow. And, and then they would say, you How know, before Herceptin, HER2 was basically, it was a death sentence. You didn't live... Most people didn't live two years. So when you were reading so, all of this, were you losing hope? Were you no? Was I was it dooming out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and for those listeners that missed the date, you are now almost fifteen years out, and they said two point nine. You have so far per, surpassed the mm -hmm. number that you were reading. Congratulations! Yes. Yeah, but the 2.9 survival rate was without Herceptin. Oh, yes. oh, so that's why you so knew, that's why you, knew that's you had to take That's why I it. said, I want that drug. And I said, I don't care what it takes, but I want that drug. So their protocol, and because the way that they developed the drug, um, there's, a, um, there's like a rule, and it's the way that they got it 
approved through the drug, Food and Drug Administration and all the drug testing and all of the stuff they do, the trials, the only way they could get it approved is they coupled Herceptin with a chemo drug. The chemo doesn't, at this point, it doesn't work in together with the Herceptin, I don't believe. I mean, I'm not a doctor, I can't tell you, but from everything I've read, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like the overall long-term survival rate has anything to do with if you get the chemo with the Herceptin. It just has to do with if you get the Herceptin, your odds are that you're going to beat it, especially so, if it hasn't metastasized. And mine, at my point, had not a metastasized. It was um, locally, is what they said. It's a local, it was localized in the breast, so it hadn't moved to any other lymph nodes or into the organs. So in your opinion, Karen... Um, and again, I'm not an oncologist, you're not an oncologist, Amanda's not an oncologist, but do you do you believe that the reason they had you do the chemo to get the Herceptin, because it had nothing to do with the chemo, is just a way to sell some more chemo? Well, I mean, it, I mean, I think in the U.S. they might use it like that because I look at the U.S. healthcare system as one. I, I think it's super broken, mm-hmm. and I just I, I don't. I, I'm so so grateful and so thankful that I live in Italy and that I have one not only excellent health care. I mean, I think I've gotten better health care than, than any of my other friends that have fought cancer here. I mean, there may be actual doctors. There may be a few doctors that are better in the U.S. I mean, overall, just like their quality. But the quality of the care that you get is the same. The protocols are the same. The drugs are the same. But the cost is exponentially different. I paid nothing. So nothing. Let's- zero. Let's let's get into that part of your story because if anyone that goes to kicking-cancer.org, our website, about halfway down our homepage, it says it's time to fix a broken system. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% what Kicking right. Cancer believes is that the system that we have, and we've had this system now for 50, 60 years, is severely broken. And we're so used to the protocols, we don't even question the protocols, except tell the listeners what the protocol was for you in Italy. How was it different than if you'd have been in the United States? Well, I know that in Italy, I, my oncologist had a choice of what I wanted to do. She did say we have to couple the Herceptin with a chemo, so you need to pick a chemo. But she gave me a list of chemos. So I looked at each one of the chemos, and I looked at the side effects, and then I looked at how toxic they were, and I looked at what, and then I would Google that chemo drug and Herceptin, or that chemo drug and her too. So I wanted to see what, if that chemo drug, what they used it for, and most of the time they would use it like Taxol or something like that. They would use it coupled with Herceptin, and everyone would just do it because their oncologist would say, this is the protocol, this is what you have to do. But my oncologist there was, well, one, she was amazing, and she said, she said you, you, you do your research. So I found um, a white paper online that said basically <clears throat> that a really low-dose um, chemo called Nabalina or something like that. It was super low dose. It basically didn't, you know, kill you. I mean, most people didn't lose all their hair. They might, you know, thin their hair a little bit, but they didn't, it wasn't as toxic. It was the least toxic option on my list, but it said I found a really interesting white paper because I did my research and I, it found that, um, this particular low dose chemo when coupled with Herceptin had the exact same effect or survival rate or effectiveness as a really toxic drug like Taxol. So I was like, okay, that's a no-brainer. I'm taking the low-dose chemo, I'm getting the Herceptin, and I'm going to just move forward, and I'm going to believe that that's what I need to do. So and 
I, I would like. So you, I did I would, that. I would like you to do me a favor, Karen. You, uh, it's obvious that once you knew this diagnosis, and um, you know, a man doesn't know you like I know you because I went to high school together. But um, and I know some of the things you've done in your past, in you know, um, career-wise. But you're a take-charge person, and now you're taking charge of your own life. You're taking charge of your own yeah. life. Mm-hmm. If it, just briefly, if you could say something to your friends there in Italy, and obviously you're going to say it in Italian, but what would you tell your friends in Italy if this happened to them to take charge? What would you tell your friends in Italy? Leggeri tutti, 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 tutti. Tu sei il prima persona e c'è la responsabilità per tu stesso. Non c'è niente altro. Dici al dottore cosa tu serve, non come il dottore dico te. So basically, I tell them you are the only one. You you are the one responsible for your body. You read everything. Legge, legge, legge. Mm-hmm. Read, read, read. Because what happens is everyone, you know, when you get a cancer diagnosis, I mean, you free, it, it freaks you out. I mean, the first, I mean, I'm sorry, but the first thing I thought is how long am I going to live? Right. Is this what gets me? And I think, it, I mean, I am like the most positive, the most like, motivated, the most, the most positive, believing everything that I could think that will happen to me. But you, your, your brain, it goes into panic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and it's normal. So I think that you need to be the CEO of your body, of your temple. This is your journey. And every, and like a lot of my family members, even friends said, you have to come back to the U.S. You can't do cancer therapy. You can't do, fight cancer in Italy. And I'm like, listen, I can't come back to the U.S. I don't have insurance there. If I come back to the U.S., I can't afford it. I mean, how mm-hmm. much would it cost? I mean, you know, trust me. It co- I, I couldn't have afforded it. And I'd, I'd sold my house to change my life and to move to Italy. I mean, I had money, but not enough. I would have spent all that money, and then I could have still died. Mm-hmm. So it's like... I think that's a, a really a sad thing is I find a lot of, like, the choices you have to make in the U.S. is like, do I save my loved one? Do I try to do everything possible to save them with all the therapy that the oncologist just says, this is what you have to do, and you want to live. You want to do everything. You don't want to pull up short. So you do everything they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying sometimes they're absolutely right. Sometimes you do need to do every single piece of that therapy. But read and do your research, and you make the decision. I mean, even with hormone therapy, I chose not to do it because I couldn't find one piece of white paper that said if I did the hormone therapy that the benefits was going to give me that much more benefits over someone that didn't do it. I mean, it's like if you do the hormone therapy, the people in the group live 13.9 months, and the people that didn't do the hormone therapy live 12.1 months. I'm like, that's stupid. I'm going to do hormone therapy. I'm going to dry up my completely out my system of every single um, you know ho- hormone and everything in my body. Dry myself up and become like a shriveled old woman because what? Because they say I'm going to live another month on average in this study. I'm like, no, I'm not well, doing good for it. You the one the one thing you said a minute ago uh, because the listeners that know the state of Oregon very well. Uh, Karen and I grew up relatively close to the Columbia River, which is right there on the north border of California, or from Oregon, the north border of Oregon. And it was like, I don't know, a, a 30 or 40 mile drive, and we were into Washington. Okay. And 
in the state of Washington in 2009, when you were going through this entire battle, Karen, 30 percent, 30 percent of the bankruptcies in the state of Washington were related to medical costs from cancer. 30 percent. I can't believe it. 30 percent of the bankruptcies because they can't afford the treatment, but they don't have a choice because that's how broken our system is. Mm-hmm. Well, jump the listeners ahead to uh, 2012, about four years later. Something happened then. What happened, Karen? Um, I went in for just a regular control because they, they control you all the time. Every year I have a whole list of uh, trolls. Bone, uh, almost every year I had a bone scan. Almost every, uh, every year I had a mammogram, um, uh, ultrasound of chest, ultrasound of the stomach, of um, a lung x-ray. And like every other year, they do a complete body MRI just to make sure that there was no cancer. And um, if there was anything that showed up any of those tests, they would do the next test like immediately to, see, to make sure that it wasn't cancer. So the control system, I think, is much better in Italy. So I think your survival rate becomes higher there, my, my, my impression, because... It's just they it's not about money there because it's all paid for by the government. So there's no money moving the machine behind. I mean, I'm sure in the government there's some there's a money thing, but if you need a therapy, you get it. If you need a surgery, you get it. So it's like it's very different. So I just kind of went to the point where I was in control, obviously in the control mode, and they didn't like um, I had a mammogram and they, there was nothing on the mammogram. But then they did an ultrasound of the same right breast that I had um, done the surgery on. And the guy, the doctor that looked at it, there was, it was at the teaching hospital that I went to, and he said the, the young girl that was doing the exam, and he, that she wanted him to look at it, and he looked at it, and then they're like, well, we want you to come back. They, they, they didn't get to the point where they were really sure. They were like, yeah, it could be scar tissue. We don't know. We just don't like it. Come back for more, more um, mammogram pictures. So I came back did more pictures, and they tried to get really good look at it, and then they did another um, ultrasound. And the, the doctor, the older doctor, older, like my age, and I saw they 55, 65 at that point, and he said, listen, I don't like this. He said, I, need, I think that there's something going on. I think you need to go see your surgeon. Have them take a look at this. And, and I'm like, no, no, I'm sure it's just scar tissue. It's nothing. Nobody's found anything before. They've been these controls every year. They've got it all. I've done all these things. I became a vegan. I'm fine. And they were like, no, no. We, we, I mean, they were so great because they just like, no, we just, don't, we just don't like. There's just something about it was the way that it felt along the scar line inside the breast along where they cut. So I go back to the surgeon. They do another ultrasound. And and the surgeon comes in, you know, the main surgeon of the, like the head of surgery for um, the teaching hospital. And she was like, um, she goes, I don't like it either. She goes, the only thing we could do is we could, we could just do a biopsy right now and it'll just rule it out. And I'm like, do it. I said, do it. They did a biopsy and it came back with evidence of cancer cells. But they were like, that's not enough for us to like want to dig back in there and cut anything out. So they were like, well, we'll just order a breast MRI and we'll see everything in there. So the, I go with another friend of mine who's a doctor at another hospital to this other hospital where they'd have the, the breast MRI machine because there's not that many of them actually in Sardinia. So I go over to this other hospital to get this breast MRI because it's a specialized machine. You got to lay down in it. And your breast like comes through these metal, I don't know, it's, it's more complicated than just a regular MRI machine where you put you in and out of like a, a tube. So it's a very specialized machine. So... And my friend, the doctor, she's a kid, child, you know, doctor, 
so she a pediatrician. She she was sitting in with the main breast cancer doctor, and they were looking at the images as they were coming through. So I come out. I'm thinking everything's going to be fine, and my friend is white. And then the doctor, the breast cancer you know specialist that looks at the MRI, she just looks at me. She goes, "You need to immediately get a mastectomy." And I just was I almost fell over. <laughs> like you've got to be kidding me. She said you have two tumors in that breast. And she said, and they're over two centimeters. She said, you have to get them out now. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's like, it's like you, you just, your complete world just like falls apart. Cause you're like, no way. Like not again. It's like, well, I'm not, a, it's just, you just, because I did uh, for, for me, I believe I did everything right. Like, and I went to the extreme, you know, becoming a vegan, taking a huge amount of supplements, doing, I mean, everything. I basically almost gave up entirely red wine. And that's one of my biggest vices. I mean, I gave up coffee. I gave up sugar. I, and I gave up everything. And I thought, I'm going to survive this. There's no way that I'm going to get cancer again. I'm not going to give the cancer any food to live. And then I had two tumors the same size as what the first tumor was. So it's like, what is wrong with this picture? So, yeah, it was, it was devastating. And then, um, then my oncologist, which was my friend, Elena, she said, listen, I think you need to go to this big clinic in Milan. It's famous. It's a, called the Institute of Oncology, uh, in Europe, European Oncology. And it's in Milan, and it has, it's just a cancer hospital. It's fantastic fantastic hospital so i went to the founder's son um and he is a breast cancer surgeon and i paid the 350 euros it was like 500 bucks at that time to go and get an appointment with this particular surgeon because at that point to get a specialist appointment immediately you ha- you paid for it so i mm-hmm. paid that 500 euro or 350 euros and i go to see veronese and he looks at my scans and everything he said yep radical mastectomy we'll do the rebuild We'll do this type of, um, you know, we'll, pay, we'll take a portion of your stomach and we'll rebuild your breast with it. And it's no problem. You'll go talk to the plastic surgeons next. Uh, we'll sit, come, we'll schedule you an appointment. You'll come back for a day. You'll have do all your pre, you know, exams, and then we'll schedule your surgery. We'll get you in here in the next three or four weeks. I'm like, well, what? And he was like, that, that that's what you need. And I'm like, okay. But the funny thing that I found about it is that my particular tooth tumors, you could not see on the ultrasound. You could not see them on the mammogram. They were not evident. Wow. The only place you could see them was the um, the, the magnetic oh, oh, the, the special the machine. MRI. Yeah, yeah. The MRI with the with the contrast. So it's a resonance ma- uh, magnetic resonance um, machine that puts the contrast in. And you could see them. There were like two aliens sitting on either side. Basically, it was either side of where they cut that first tumor out. Wow. So I think that people don't give that enough credit, and I think there's something to it. And there's a lot of – there's a book that was written by Suzanne Summers, and she just lost her her battle with breast cancer. I don't know if it was breast cancer that got her, but she she actually did die of cancer. But she lived, I don't know, I want to say 20 years from her first diagnosis at least. Yeah. But um, she wrote a book, What the Doctors Don't Tell You. And it's unbelievably, it's shocking, but it's amazing. It's a a must-read, I think, for anyone that has a diagnosis even, because I think you need to read a lot of, I've got a whole list of books that I think I sent you, Baron, but yeah. I'm not, I can get them to you. But I think that it, there's some books that you go, read this book first before you do therapy. If, if you get, if you're lucky enough to have 
heard of it before because I think what most people do is they just get so shocked and then they just go directly and do whatever the doctors say and they don't have a plan. I think you need to have a plan and you need to really, really be informed. So and I don't wa- just trust what the doctor tells you because there are a lot of different things you can do coupled with cancer therapy, coupled even with yeah. chemo, that will increase your survival rate. We've got, so, we got, we got about a minute and a half. And what I want to tell the listeners right now is there is so much to Karen's story. Oh, yeah. Um, Karen's uh, story will be in our next newsletter. Okay which I had to abridge way back to make it fit in the newsletter. <laughs> but her entire story will be on our website underneath the Stories tab okay. within the next month or two uh, because there's a lot to Karen's story, and even our hour show wasn't enough. Um, but there was a comment you made to me, and, and it's it re- resonates with something Sharon Hennepin said on a recent podcast that those lagging pains are like, is the cancer back? And I think that many of the listeners might be able to relate to that. Yeah. What I want the listeners to know is we have a store here in town. It's a to buy, come buy shirts. Mm-hmm. If you walk in the store, it's at 3737 Cherry Avenue in Kaiser. Just walk in, find me, and just say the words, Italy rocks, <laughs> and I will give you 10 bucks off any of our shirts. Yes. Italy rocks, you can save 10 bucks. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us. I really appreciate it and sharing your story. And then, so our sponsor for this half is Marianne McNally. She is a residential real estate specialist with Next Home Realty Connection. And if you are looking to buy a home or sell a home, definitely reach out to her at 503-409-4389. We'll be back next week as as the the movement movement continues. continues.